This morning, I want to invite your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I see, uh, and we're going to, uh, I want to read verse number uh, 6. I know that there are um, guests here, and I know that many of you have plans. That really has no bearing on the sermon today. <laughs> I'm going to deliver the mail until my shift is over today. Here's what the Bible says. Let's receive a word from the Lord. The Bible says in verse 6, Now this I say, He who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. You may be seated. That's all I have. I know what you're thinking, some of you. You're looking at this text, and you're saying he's about to talk about money and giving. Not a popular subject, not something people are anxious to talk about even in churches, particularly in churches with certain cultures that converted people on the basis of them not bringing their purses through competitive and comparative Theology. I mean, there's nothing excited or swing off the swing off the lamps and swing off and jump off the balcony when you talk about giving. Uh, but I'm here to, t- to t- today to tell you that this is not simply about giving; it's about positioning. I think it's fruitless to try to get people who haven't positioned themselves to give. It's like trying to get somebody who hasn't been educated to have a degree. I mean, you can't skip process. You can't skip order. You can't skip certain parts of development. You can't do that. So this is not about giving. I'm not going to stand up here. I'll tell you, I'm not going to stand up here and say we need to give more, even though we can stand to do that. I want to talk about the principle I want to talk to you about this morning on the subject, the seed is holding a secret. Turn to your neighbor and let them know the seed is holding a secret. He who soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He who sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Paul writes the church in Corinth, and he's writing to them about benevolence. He's not writing to them, he's not writing to them about putting more in the basket. There was no basket. There was no sitting in pews and having a basket come around. As a matter of fact, at this point, there really was no uh, building note. There were no electric bills. There were no things like that. The churches actually met in homes. And when we're reading 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're reading, uh, come on up here, Brother Tim, we're reading about uh, a church that is actually helping a whole nother church. Uh, We're talking about a church that's actually helping a poor church, a church that's poor helping a church that's impoverished. We're not talking about rich people helping poor people, that's easy to do. 
We're talking about people who really didn't have everything they may have wanted, helping people that didn't have much of what they needed. And so Paul is writing and he's reminding them of a principle that predates church. A principle that goes and existed before there was a church and before Jesus even came on the scene in the flesh. He, he's referring to a principle that had nothing to do with religion but everything to do with nature. I'm here to tell you that Christianity is just not about practice, it's about principles. You have the practices of Christianity and you follow the principles of Christianity. You're sitting here right now because you're following some of the practices of Christianity. One of those practices being coming to church. But how many of you know that you can come to church and follow the practice of Christianity, but if you don't avail yourself and harness the principles of Christianity, you'll come to church and always be broke. You'll come to church and shout hallelujah and be as sick as a dog because you don't take care of yourself. You cannot adhere to the practices of Christianity and ignore the principles. And that's been the issue over the years. People who have been drawn to the ritualistic practices of Christianity but ignore the principles of Christianity. For the principles of Christianity are the principles of God. And guess what? They are so in place. They are so solidified that it doesn't matter who uses the principle, it will work. It will not stop working because somebody else uses the principles. I gave this illustration years ago, but here in, on this keys are the keys to my office, the keys to my house, the keys to my car, and the keys to a few other rooms in this building. If you don't belong here and you get a hold of these keys, these keys are not going to stop working because they're in the wrong hands. Are you seeing what I'm saying? If somebody gets your keys, they're not going to not start up the car because the person is not the person who owned the keys. The keys are the principles, and whoever possesses the principle accesses the blessing. Write this down. Whoever will possess the principle will access the blessing. If you decide to neglect the principle as a Christian, you will lose access to the blessing. That's why there are, that, that's why we have a generation of Christians who speak the language of defeat and talk the language of defeat and walk in defeat. It's not that you don't love God and God doesn't love you, but God, in spite of you being his child, still has an expectation that we possess the principles of God. And one of the principles of God is found in this text that we read, and that is the agricultural principle of sowing and reaping. God says, I didn't make these principles to hurt you. I made these principles to help you and so that you can better be what I want you to be. But just because you're a child of God and you say I'm a Christian doesn't mean that you're going to benefit from the principles. If you ignore the principles, guess what happens? Somebody who doesn't belong to God will get the blessing. It isn't that the world is more prosperous than the church. It's just the world just harnesses some of the principles that God meant for you to have. 
And whenever, watch this, whenever we get teaching on these principles and we ignore it and somebody comes in that doesn't know God, that's like somebody coming in who's not part of our family walking away with the keys to the house when the keys to the house were really for you but since you won't grab them, somebody else grabbed them, they get in the house and you're locked out of the house even though you're family. How many of you understand what we're talking about today? And the principle that we see is, was born in Genesis 1.19, as we need to go there, Genesis 1.19. Watch this. The principle that we see was born in Genesis 1.19. I see some of you taking notes, and I'm going to need you to take notes for your life, and maybe you can help and share these notes with others and share these points with others. They will, they will help you. Uh, they will help you. Genesis 1.19. The Bible says what? And there was evening and there was morning a fourth day. 119. 129, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Thank you. Got brothers who heard the sermon at 730. <laughs> then God said. Read. Behold, I have given you every plant yielding. This is what I'm after. Watch this. God says, Behold, I have given given you what? Every plant yielding. What? So, what started first? He starts with this miraculous creation of something that did not take development to get here. Pay attention. God didn't plant anything to make the Garden of Eden. He miraculously makes it. The first man didn't get here through, watch this, procreation. He miraculously made him. The only two people in history that ever walked the face without a belly button was Adam and Eve. Because they didn't get here through procreation. He miraculously made them. He miraculously made plants. He miraculously made trees. But then he says, I put in the plant seed or plants yielding seed after its kind. So what God does, watch this, he has this miraculous beginning and then he put a principle in place. Because the seed is not only a literal thing, but it represents a principle. He says, I will make it in its beginning miraculously, but so that you can have it in the future, I'm going to put a principle in there so that even though I made it miraculously first, you can keep the party going. Does that make sense? God is not making another tree just making a tree. He's not making another man out of the dust of the earth. He did the same thing with man. He sent man, formed them, shaped them out of the dust of the ground, took woman, pulled him, took a rib, pulled her out of there, and then he put a principle there. And the principle he put in there was to be fruitful and multiply, which includes a seed and an egg. And the principle is there so that you can have in the future what you have now. God never blesses you now without the future in mind. Every blessing you're enjoying now has the future in it. If you're enjoying being married now, that marriage has the future in it. 
If you're enjoying having a job now, that job has the future in it. But the only way to access that is to be able to harness the seed and perpetuate it through the power of the seed. People who go nowhere in life are people that have managed to enjoy the fruit now, but ignore the seed within it. I've said this before, it's the tragedy of the fruitless, of the seedless watermelon. It is a right now enjoyment. Some of you will eat that tomorrow. Uh, we're the seedless. I know right away you have no intention on planting any watermelon because it has nothing in it to continue itself. And when God blesses you today, he puts something in, you, in the blessing so that tomorrow, guess what? You don't even have to pray for the same blessing. He says, what I'm going to bless you with now is going to have tomorrow's blessing and next week's blessing and week after next blessing in it. Children are a blessing from the Lord. And how you harness the seed, how you possess the seed, whether or not you tap into the seed will determine what your future looks like. That's why there's a whole class of people that don't know how to get beyond today even financially. God says, even the money I bless you with, I put provision in today's paycheck for next week. If you know what to do with the seed. Hello? You eat a piece of fruit, most people spit it out. You spit out the seed. Because you have no thought about this fruit for tomorrow. Now watch this. Let's just be real technical. If every piece of fruit we kept the seed and planted the seed, we would never have to pay for another piece of fruit. Do you see the principle? How you got it the first time might have taken some miraculous paycheck, but from this process, the principle will take care of you. The Turn to somebody and say, let the principle take care of you. Now, I'm not saying God is not involved in the plan. I'm not saying it's not God. I'm saying that God put the principle in the blessing so that you can perpetuate the blessing. So that not only, watch this, so that we're not going back to God asking for the same thing. And guess what? A lot of what we go back to God and ask for, he says, I gave it to you in the last blessing. Lord, I, you know, I'm broke. I need this. Well, the last paycheck, you had enough to plant a seed. But you didn't plant a seed. So now you have to repetitiously come before the throne of God and ask for something he already gave you because you never tapped into the seed principle. In our text, though, we see that he put that in it. Your future is in your present. What you do with your present will perpetuate your future. Are you understanding this? When you work out, when you eat right, that's not for today. When I go to Planet Fitness, when I do, <laughs> and I'm sure y'all can tell. Yeah, yeah, we can. <laughs> Dedrick, man, stop looking at me like that, man. I have no support behind me. Dedrick is a mortician. He said, no, yeah, let me shake your hand and feel your pulse. But anyway. You don't work out for that day. 
workout has power in it. Watch this. So that you can work out better tomorrow. Your workout today is for your future. You don't work out today. And, and, and watch, it's absurd to think that you're going to lift all these weights today. That's why, you know, you know, some, you know, it's funny to go to the gym sometimes. You see people at the gym. And, the, you know, most gyms have, you notice they have mirrors everywhere. Gyms are designed to either feed the ego or destroy it. <laughs> I wish that I had some real people this morning. Some of y'all checked out. But, but it's designed to feed the ego or destroy it. But it's amazing how, how you can take your effort today and start seeing things in the mirror that may not really be there. That's not realistic. You do 10 push-ups, then you look in the mirror and say, oh, yeah, I'm getting cut. No, you ain't done a push-up in 30 years, and you're getting cut from 10 push That's not how it works. Watch this. The power of your future is in your present through the seed. Paul says, though, to the church in Corinth, he that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. So what Paul now talks about, you said, I don't see seed. You don't see seed because the only parts that are visible to us are the beginning and the end. He that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. Yeah, you don't understand that? We have a tendency to concentrate on the beginning and celebrate on the end. We celebrate the end because that's harvest. Apples and Oranges and bananas and cucumbers and tomatoes and basil and and lettuce and cabbage. We concentrate on the sowing because that's how we get it going. Between the sowing and the reaping is a secret. The reason why I call it a secret is because this space is off the grid. The success of the seed is revealed by the harvest. But the harvest isn't the success. The true success of the seed is what we would call, watch this, what some people would call the off the grid space. You know off the grid when you get terminated from your job off the grid when you go through a divorce, off the grid when you're so depressed people don't see you, off the grid when you're going through family trouble and trouble with your kids, off the grid when you're no longer on Facebook because everything you look at irritates you because you're going through your own renditions of storms and rains and tornadoes, off the grid. Let me tell you the success happens while people are calling it termination. And it's weird that they would call it termination. Where is he? I haven't seen her. She's, she, I don't know where she is. I tried to call her. I can't get her. I haven't seen them in a long time. I heard they've been going 
going through something. I don't know. I guess they've been terminated. Well, you know what? While man calls it termination, that in-between secret of the success of the harvest is actually called germination. Here's the success. It is not in the beginning. It is not in the end. It's in the secret place where people can't see you. They can't read you. They can't look at you and tell what's going on. Can't read your posts and keep up with the details of your life. Can't Instagram stalk you or Facebook stalk you or Twitter stalk you or The secret of the seed is that when the seed is off the grid, it's germinating. Why do I call it a secret? We know about it. Yeah, we know about it. But how many of us have ever seen it? How many of us have actually watched the germination process of a flower? We celebrate the harvest. That's why come mothers, when, came, when mothers, they came around, they sold you roses. Not with no roots attached to them. They sold you roses that were a representation of the harvest, not the germination. You, watch this, the secret that the seed carries is that it, it develops to be its strongest when it is off the grid. The things about the seed that can't be seen are the things that make it its strongest. I need to talk to somebody because there are some seeds in here. And you're labeling and mislabeling these moments in your life where you're off the grid because things are happening. You're calling it termination. Whenever you're in a secret place, whenever you have to close the blinds to your life, and whenever trials and situations have you to where you can't tell anybody and loved ones come to you and say what's wrong and you can't do anything but nod your head, those are the underground situations. Just know that germination happens right before harvest and if you can endure this secret place, God is doing some things with you. The growth doesn't start happening when you see it. It, it happens under the ground and because it happens under the ground it happens on top of the ground so when somebody sees the end result and asks you the secret to your success Lord Jesus. tell them it was when you didn't see me it was when you thought I was depressed. It's when you thought I gave up. It's when you thought I was no more. It's when you thought I was off the grid. That was the secret to our success. It is the secret of the seed. It is the part of the seed's development that people can't see. So what is the secret? Thank you. What exactly is the secret? The secret is the process. Write that down. 
The secret is the process. When you're being worked on and when you're going through in the worst way, there are different levels of it. The surface level, loved ones can see. Man, I know something's going on with you. That's the surface. I wish there was a, I wish I had a praying church in here that can understand. Y'all not talking back to me. I need to preach another 30 minutes. Do I need to start all over? Do I need to go back to the text? Do we need to read, sing another song? Do we need to do the motivation? Tell me what we need to do. First tier. First tier. Something wrong. Something going on. I don't know what it is, but I can sense it. That's not the secret. Because they can see. The next tier, that's when people who are your close friends. Because family doesn't always mean closest. I'm sorry. I wish there were some honest people in here. Did all the honest people go on vacation? Is that what happened? Family doesn't always mean closest. There are some of you right now that have friends closer than your own blood, brothers, sisters, and cousins. Now those people are introduced to another layer. It's secret to these people. All they have is a sneaky suspicion something's going on. But then there are those who are close friends. And uh, they say, you know what? I bet this is bothering you. And watch this. You, you know you're in a deep place. <laughs> you know you're in a deep place where, where the only way you can respond yes is by shedding a tear. I wish I had somebody who knew what I was talking about in here. You can't even say yes. Just the thought of it makes you shed a tear. Makes you look long face. But how you're going to get over it is the most secret place. The secret to the, watch this, to the courage of Jesus to go to the cross was not him healing Lazarus. Oh, no. It wasn't him healing the blind man or giving hearing to the deaf man. It was when he took three friends of his into a garden. They were close to him, but he had to go even into a deeper secret place. He said, tarry here while I go yonder. That place where... It was him and his father. And while he was there, he cried to his father as in his spirit was germinating the mission that he would now go on that would come to the head and conclusion of redeeming all of mankind for all history, past, present, and future. And he sweats as if great top drops of blood and says, Father, let this cup pass over me. That was the place where he was in the loneliness of the moment. 
where nobody on top of the ground can see him. His closest disciples were at a distance because he left them behind. Abraham had that moment. When he left the young men behind and took Isaac to Mount Moriah. You're having that moment when it's something that you can explain to somebody, but they can't help you with. I wonder if there are any honest people that have ever had anything that you can explain but your explanation to them would not lead to a solution. It was part of the necessary process. The seed secret is that it endures a process that makes harvest possible. And if you want a harvest in your life, you and I are going to have to get to the point where we endure the germination. That's when the seed dies. That's when the seed digs. That's when the seed drowns. It dies, it digs, and it drowns. It dies because that's when the roots come out of the seed and the seed is pierced. It digs because the roots dig down into the dirt and spread out. All of this going on in germination where nobody can see it. You walk on top of ground where there's seed being germinated under the ground. And often when you're in your germination period, in your secret place, people will walk all over you not knowing what's coming. You're going to keep walking because I'm digging and I'm digging and I'm drowning and I'm spreading and I'm dying. And in just a few days, what you're walking on, you're going to stop and admire it's not sowing it's not reaping it's germination it's the secret to the success of harvest and when that little stem comes up from out of the ground. Watch this. The stem never comes up being more than what's under the ground. When that little stem comes up, you better believe there's more beneath. You get substance in between your sowing and your reaping. You get depth in your secret places, in your secret situations, in your secret struggle, in your secret trial, in your secret tribulation, in the ones that if you told some people, they wouldn't understand anyway. Let me, let me give you these principles, and then we're going to let you go so we can start barbecuing for tomorrow. The secret of the seed is revealed at the harvest. The power is in the seed. But power without germination is just potential. Power without germination is just potential. Hear me. 
I need you to listen to me. This is not me talking. I'm a mouthpiece, but God is telling you that there are certain parts of your pain that are necessary for your harvest. You cannot live in potentialville forever. I, I have, I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you what I was going to do. So I went and invested in seeds, seeds of different kind. I have cantaloupe here. And I even had the ushers ready. Isn't that right, Steve? And something happened this morning uh, at the early service. And it told me that this was a bad idea. Because I've got here cantaloupe, I have here cucumber, I have tomato. And what made it a bad idea uh, was the asparagus seeds. I have them in these little plastic bags, and I held up asparagus seed. And then I asked everybody, can everybody see this? And then in my casual thoughtlessness of preaching, I said, what is this? And an honest soul answered my question and said, weed. I like to drop my mic and walk out of that place. I said, you just killed my illustration. Congratulations. I'm not going to call his name, but I said, Andre, you just messed up my illustration. So I spoke from the vantage point of us being the seed and that the secret is the process which is hidden. Don't invite everybody into your process because they won't call it asparagus. There's Bible for that. Of course, it wasn't weed, but when the, when the disciples on, in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, started speaking in tongues, some of the men that were standing around had said that these men are drunk with new wine. Because when it's your process, people don't know what to label it. And they will mislabel your process. And if you're not of strong mind enough, you will buy into their label of your process and you'll be calling it termination instead of germination. But as the seed and as sowers, and we know that the seed has to be in a collaborative effort with the sower with the soil and with being soaked. Necessary things needed. But I want to give you some principles because the principle is financial, the principle is health-wise. All of the principles are so closely connected that in Luke, 
Luke's account of the prodigal son, do you not know that he wanted to get his inheritance? And the Bible says he wasted his substance on riotous living. Do you not know substance and living are basically the same idea? He wasted his living on his living. Why? Because all of us have an interconnected life. Your money and your health and your habits, hobbies and your habits and, and, your, and the thing in your recreation, all of it is tied together to where one is not affected without all of it being affected. I saved the most money in my life when I was sick. And I lost or paid the most money in my life when I was sick. Let me show you how it's all connected. I saved the most money because I was too sick to spend it. Yeah, if you, got, you get on automatic bill pay and be sick for two weeks and then a month and then two months and things are just paying up. Guess what? Yeah, you're not there to pay it. You got the, you, they're being paid, but you're not there to spend it. Right? But then hospital bills and medical bills. But let me show you how it's all connected. What I like to eat and my lifestyle affected my health. Are you seeing this? And if you have a lifestyle that's fast pace, you now have to buy food. Because you don't have time to cook it. Guess what that affects? Your money. Your money, your eating, your lifestyle, your habits. Habits are not free. Some hobbies are not free. So guess what? It all affects. So God says you got to get a hold of the principle and use it to where it works for you and stops working against you. So you get one thing corrected and guess what it affects? It affects the next thing. You get that corrected, it affects the next thing. And watch this. You stop eating McDonald's. Watch how it affects your money. You stop paying almost $8 for number one when it used to be almost $4. Can I, can I just talk to you? You're going to barbecue. We're going to have a good time. You're going to do all of that. But let me just talk to you. Huh? I, 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 I dreaded the day when, 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 our kids, uh, when our kids stopped wanting Happy Meals. We couldn't go out as much. And we wasn't going out all the time, but we couldn't. We definitely could. Why? Because it all affects everything. Health, your hobbits, your habits, and all of this is connected. So here's the thing. God put the principle there, and he says you can't plant your seed anywhere. You have to plant your seed where it counts. The soil matters. And if seed was money in this case, you got to put your money where it has the best return. And I'm not talking about stocks and bonds. I'm talking about sometimes you can't get a greasy eight-piece and two peppers with a Diet Coke. Because you're now literally paying to pay the doctor. Say amen if anybody understands. I, I just... Okay. Okay. Three principles and then it's yours. Okay. Now, as sowers... I need to talk about. 
Here's principle number one. Learn to sow into people's lives. Write that down. Learn to sow into people's lives. What does that mean? Some of us are givers and some of us are takers, receivers. There are some of us who receive better than we give. We can't fathom giving to others the way others have given to us. Don't become settled with that. That's all right. We'll wait till you finish your call. Okay, there we go. (laughs) We cannot, we cannot spend our time receiving all the time. That goes against agriculture. But we can, watch this. And you can't, on the other side, you can't sow yourself to death into other people's lives. But learn to sow into other people's lives. And what I mean sow into other people's lives, sometimes meet people at the worst time of their life without asking questions. Learn to meet people at the worst time of their lives and don't ask questions. Believe me, in the worst time of your life, you're going to have a line of nosy people who don't want to know if you're okay, but would rather know how you got that way. Are you understanding what I'm saying? How do I sow into other people's lives? Meet them at the worst time of their lives. If you know somebody's going through something, so in, do good to them. Spend time with them. Connect with them. Encourage them. Sit by them. Don't ask questions. Because the worst thing for people when they're in their germination private place or place of secrecy should have to do is answer questions that rehearse their pain. Learn to connect with some people. Some of us, watch this, in the name of minding our own business, has minded our own business to the point of not being there for people. I mind my own business. They're going through a divorce. I'm going to mind my own business. Their kid got locked up. I'm going to mind my own business. I ain't saying nothing. When all you have to do, watch this, because when you sow into their life, That seed takes the same path that any other seed takes. And it germinates. And people will come back and say, thank you for things you forgot about. I wish I had a witness in the house. They'll come and they'll say thank you two weeks later, three weeks later, a month later, two years later. There was something you said. You forgot you said it, but you took that moment and you sold into them. And you know why it's just now happening? Because every seed has what's called an incubation period. When I went and bought these seeds, let me pull out the right ones. This is corn seeds, right? You cannot be mistaken Maybe it looks like teeth. I don't know. I had to look on the back of the package because I kept them. And on the back of the package, it'll say 75 days, 45 days, 80 days. You know what that means? That means don't expect to see anything until this period. That's the incubation period. Watch this. Don't call the fight until 80 days. And sometimes when it's taking too long, we call the fight. Not realizing there's an incubation period. 
they called the fight on Jesus. And they said it was over. But they forgot that Jesus was telling them all along the incubation period is three days. Tear down this temple and in three days I'll rise it again. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish, three days. He says, here's the incubation period. And when you don't understand that, watch this, you start feeling defeated prematurely. Which means you have to now expect when you sow into other people a delayed gratification. Some of you are sowing into your children and you can't understand why they're not getting it. Stop saying they're not getting it. They may be getting it, but it's not the incubation period yet. You didn't get it right away. Well, I, don't, I just don't know. I just don't know. And then we try to save them from their germination secrecy place. You can't save your kid from the same process that grew you up. So don't give up. Keep sowing. Turn to somebody and say, so to somebody's life. Number two, sow into the kingdom. Everybody say, sow into the kingdom. The Bible says in Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. What does it mean to sow into the kingdom? It means it's like (laughs) you're sowing, becoming about a bigger mission than you. If I gave you some cucumber seed, now I'm going to give you some, uh, I'll give you uh, the, uh, not the weed. You sure are smiling extra big when I gave it. Give me that. Give me that. Give me that. Yeah, somebody, you getting extra excited all in your seat. The sides of your mouth touch your ears. I wonder why you're so excited, Jared Jackson. I'm going to talk to you after. Asparagus. I give you cucumber. Give you corn. I'm going to give you cantaloupe and uh, Bishop Gay, I'm going to give you, uh, these are, uh, I think these are squash or something. And God says, church, I want you to feed the community. I'm going to provide the meat. I'm going to bless you with meat. I'm going to give you favor with the local butcher, with the local grocery store, and they're going to donate meat. I need you to sow the rest. They're going to donate the steak. They're going to donate the chicken. They're going to donate the turkey. The meat is provided. I'm going to bless you. But for the rest, I'm going to put plant yielding seed after its kind. I want you to sow it. The moment you sow for yourself, what do you have? Asparagus. Asparagus. The moment you become selfish with your sowing, you no longer contribute to the kingdom. Are you understanding this? 
The kingdom can't do as much because you became selfish with your sowing. Instead of sowing into the kingdom, you sold into other things for other agendas and you neglected the kingdom. You sow into the kingdom and you sow into the kingdom and you sow into the kingdom and you sow into the kingdom. I need you to come up here. All of you that I gave something to. Jared, don't look at me mean. I was just playing with you, man. You look like you're sitting there going through withdrawal or something. Stop, stop that. I'm just playing. Now watch. When you sow into the kingdom, now all of us, including those in the community, can have a meal. And on today's menu is turkey and steak and chicken that God provided. And guess what else oh, we're going to have on the menu? We're going to have asparagus, cantaloupe, <laughs> corn, cucumbers. All right. So together we have a whole meal. Amen. Amen. Are you understanding this? We can now feed the whole community because everybody sold into the kingdom. Do you get that? Churches can't do as much because you end up with seven people trying to sow for 400. So now the church can only do what seven people can do because the other 393 people decide that they're too busy to sow into the kingdom. But when it's feeding time, everybody is going to want a plate. But if you sow what God gave you, and you sow what God gave you, and you sow what God gave you, and you and you, then together we can provide more, we can do more, we can accomplish more. We don't have to wait around for the seven people. Y'all can be seated. How many of you agree with that? Now that you agree, I'm about to close. Imagine what this church would do if everybody grabbed hold of this principle. For the last few months, we have gone beneath the Old Testament standard of tithing and just said that if only how many people? If how many people? If 150 people did what? If 150 people in a 400-member church gave $150 every week as their offering and tithe to God, we wouldn't have to wait around for months to get things done. And things like this can be done instantly. And we'd be able to minister without restriction. But you know what happens in churches? We believe God for everything but the seed. You ever notice finances is the hardest thing to let go of? We'll give of our time. And to justify it, we'll take scriptures that specifically talking about giving that aspect and we'll broaden them. God will say, give of your means. God will say, so. God will, God will call it tithing or offering. And we'll say, well, I can't offer, I'm not going to do that, but I can give you my time and I this and that and the other. No, it's we won't because there is something we do that with. Everybody got quiet and I knew it was coming, so I got to shout on the front half of the lesson. (laughs) Too late, you already shouted. Now you got to listen. Are you seeing what I'm saying? 
We can do it together, but we have to do it together if it's going to work. It's going to take everybody. Not everybody doing what everybody else can do, but just doing what you can do. But be consistent, because the government is. Your Uncle Sam gets his. It's your daddy that gets neglected. While your uncle takes his at the top. How dare you let your uncle supersede your daddy? So you see, it's about harnessing this. Now, guess what? When you do this, you're sowing. You're not just giving. You're not just tithing. You're not just offering. You're sowing. Here's the other principle that we get nervous about. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't give, I don't give to get anything back. That's very pious of you. But you're lying. You're lying. And if it's true, and if it's true, there's a problem with that. Why would God say in Luke 6.38, this is what he's saying. Give, and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give to your bosom. For with what measure ye meet, it shall be met unto you again. God is telling you, if you want to receive, give. But in our pious holiness, we say, I don't do it to receive. You know what? I do it to receive. Like a farmer puts seed in the ground to have corn. Like a farmer puts cucumber seed in the ground to have cucumber. That's the principle. Not to be greedy, but the principle is, but to work the principle that God put there. God says, Mount View, if y'all can ever get to the place where you give like that, I'll open up the windows of heaven because now I know that I can trust you with more. Amen? Amen. Give God some praise in this house. And finally, sow into yourself. Some of us serve so many other people, and we're the pillars of our family, and we never stop to take care of ourselves. Stop feeling guilty for telling people no. Well, I was going to go, can you do this? People, watch this, people will take from you as long as the trough is open. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And sometimes those people are sometimes the people closest to you. And I know what it is. Your guilt gets to working. But there's an off-the-grid period in the seed's life where it's not in anybody's hands. It's not in anybody's, it's in somebody's hands in the sowing period. Yeah, it's in it's somebody's hand. It's in somebody's hands in development and full bloom in the harvest. But there's an off-the-grid period. And every now and then, you have to take an off-the-grid period. Do you not know, according to the law of Moses, one of the reasons why the Sabbath had to happen was not so that man can get rest, but also the land needed rest. God said, don't you farm on that land. Do you think God was just being that way? No. The land needed a chance to replenish. 
The land had to sow into itself. And every now and then, yes, sow into others. Definitely sow into the kingdom. But take time to sow into yourself. Stop waiting for somebody to get you a pedicure. Go and get your own pedicure. Stop waiting for somebody to take you to the movies. Go to your own movies. You don't have to have a party or two. Go to the steakhouse. Sit there. Act, watch this. If you need somebody with you, God said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Have a conversation with God with just you at the table. You'll look a little crazy, but Bluetooth makes it believable. Is that all right? Then you need to sow into yourself. You're pleasing everybody, helping everybody, doing this and doing that and going here and going there and people keep coming, gimme, gimme, gimme. They don't mean harm. They don't mean harm. But guess what? If the store is open, people will always come to buy. I go to my barber sometimes, and sometimes I get there late. And you say, Barber, I know. Make it make sense. I go to my barber, of course, not for up here. But sometimes when the open sign is, stays open, stays on, people keep coming. They'll never stop. And so he had to get to the point where he said, uh, when somebody came in there and, and saw the light on and, and maybe I was there and he was going, making me all fine and stuff, uh, of course that didn't take much, but uh, he, he was doing that. He'd have to say, uh, done. No more. We're closed. Watch this. But the guy came inside. You have to get to the point where people's proximity doesn't mean you're open. You can be close to me, but right now I'm closed. I have to, re I have to, I have to replenish. I'm depleted. I've been giving and giving and giving and talking and giving and giving and giving and sharing and being an encouragement and taking people up, take it and take it and take it. I need you. Do this. Do that. Can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? I got to go take care of mama. I got to go take care of sisters. Got other siblings that can do it, but you're the one that has to do it. You end up spent at the end of the day. The people who really need your time the most don't get your time. You're depleted. You have nothing left to give. And brother and sister, let me tell you, if you ever become that tree with no fruit on the limbs anymore, people will walk past you as if you never had fruit on the tree in the beginning. So you better learn to sow into yourself. God says the Sabbath. Take a Sabbath. Take a Sabbath. Stop. Take a Sabbath. You cannot, you're not, you're not going to save everybody. Take a Sabbath. You're not going to help anybody. Take a Sabbath. Guess what? Something happened to you. They're going to be just fine. Stop. Take a Sabbath. Because you're killing yourself trying to help somebody else. Everybody stand to your feet. I'm done. Give God some glory. Luke 8, 11 says the seed is the word of God. Jesus said, the Bible says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. The ultimate seed went through the ultimate incubation period, went through the ultimate germination period, and had the ultimate harvest. Look around you today. You want to know what the harvest of the seed of Jesus looks like? Look around you. This is the harvest. This and every blood-born believer of Jesus Christ 
is part of the harvest. Maybe you're here and you need prayer for something, whatever it is. I bid you to come. It's okay.